Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Welcome to Fandom Power. What's up, everybody? Welcome to uh, Fandom Power. My name is Wes Scott. I'm your host, and uh, I'm joined today once again by the two best co-hosts a Nerf Herder could ask for. It's uh, Andrew Daw. I am Scruffy today. And uh, Hank McLaughlin. Mm. Hello, gentlemen. What's going on, boys? Uh, we had a week off, and uh, in that time, we were... Uh, I won't say we were struggling for a show idea, but uh, we had the seed planted a couple of weeks ago from one of our viewers who had asked innocently enough if we were going to talk about lightsabers. And uh, Mm -hmm. careful, I kind of got got my creative juices flowing. I thought we can talk about lightsabers. (laughs) It's funny because at dinner time tonight, my dad, he's like, well, how is it going to be a long show? Isn't there only one? I'm like, no, you better tune in because you're about to learn something. Oh my God. Yeah. So tonight we're going to talk about lightsabers and not only are we going to talk about lightsabers, we are going to kind of approach this from a um, chronological uh, aspect. So not only are we going to talk about lightsabers as we've seen them in the films, but we're going to cover some of the stuff from the old expanded universe and how that kind of uh, progressed into the new Disney canon. And uh, towards the end of the show, we are going to do a rundown of every lightsaber variant that is listed in the new canon. Uh, Some of those are going to turn up in a couple of of different places because certain lightsabers occupy more than one space. And then we're going to talk about towards the end of the show, we're going to talk about where you can get your very own custom lightsaber, if that's your thing, if you're into those. And maybe where you might like to uh, join uh, some like-minded people in a league all right guys without any further ado let's talk about lightsabers let's uh i guess where do we start i guess we start back in uh, what 1977 i guess all the way back yeah i mean uh here let me bring this up here there we go so um <laughs> really one well <laughs> <laughs> not quite as you say lightsabers have captured the imaginations of uh not just star wars fans but of uh pop culture enthusiasts what for a long time very much so yeah 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 and i mean the, the idea of a lightsaber it's not really uh it's not a new idea <laughs> i mean yeah. we've talked about this before i mean everything in star wars or certainly lots of things in star wars are derivative 
mm-hmm. the lightsaber being no different than that. And they even make fun of it too, right? Like in Last Jedi, where he's like, you know, what'd you think I was going to do? Go down, face the Empire with a laser sword and everything would be good? <laughs> yeah, really. Talk about the history of the lightsaber. I mean, uh, I mean, how far do you want to go back? Because, <laughs> I mean, we can go way, way back. But maybe let's talk about the sort of the, the literary the literary sense because isn't the lightsaber just an iteration of the flaming sword could be yeah i mean more laser focused yeah absolutely it's, it's definitely uh prevalent in in literature for sure the archangel uh, like, michael like there the, the ancient uh, ancient texts if you will yeah yeah so i mean uh put up a few examples here i mean possibly possibly the most well-known might actually be the flaming sword with the uh, the cherubim at the garden of eden or maybe the one carried by the archangel uh, michael from uh, christianity but also what about surtur's flaming sword from the uh, norse Eda? Mm-hmm. and even the uh, oh my god i'm gonna mess this up the clive sullish the sword of light from gaelic folklore these are all examples of the flaming sword that are literally thousands of years old. Right. Is the lightsaber not just an iteration of that? An extension of it. I would think so. And yeah, like, I mean, want to dive into conspiracy theories like aliens did it. Maybe it actually was a lightsaber. Nah, maybe. Maybe. Full circle. <laughs> One thing's for sure, though. I mean, fantasy and, and science fiction, it's been a runaway concept. It's not, again, it's derivative. And I mean, how many instances of an energy weapon have we have we seen before? Yeah, no, dozens, really. Here, here's a few for you. Yes. Thunder. Let's go with, uh, I'll just run them down here. Uh, these are just a few that I was able to find. Just a quick Google search. We have the uh, photon sword carried by the Black Knight in Marvel Comics. We've got the uh, Covenant energy sword from Halo. How about the Omniblade from Mass Effect, the video game franchise? I was always liking the uh, the Voltron one, the Blazing Sword. Yes, yeah, yeah. So I didn't actually think of Blazing Sword as being a lightsaber until I realized that it is built out of energy, yeah, and then coalesces into this physical thing. So yeah, I mean, a, a, another example of the uh, the energy blade or the laser sword. Some funnier ones too, like the uh, the bread toasting knife from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. By the way, in the new film, they actually use the. Uh, the, the coveted sound for it to, to nice. cut the bread was kind of funny. Andy, you were quick to remind me of the, uh, the Schwartz. Yes. Can't the, forget the Schwartz. The Schwartz rings. And I gotta, I just want to bring this one up. Ulysses 31. I'm not a big fan of Ulysses 31. I'm aware of it. I knew that it was a thing, but I hadn't really watched it. But take a look at uh, commander Ulysses uh, energy sword there. Does that not look an awful lot like Ezra Bridger's lightsaber pistol? Wait a bit. In fact, that sword is also a, a pistol. So somebody over at uh, at Lucasfilm, whoever worked on Rebels, who came up with that design, is obviously a Ulysses 31 fan. <laughs> the sun sword carried by Thundar the Barbarian. Yeah, there are tons and tons and tons of examples of uh, energy-based weapons that really all kind of come out of the flaming sword. But there is only one, one lightsaber. And uh, thank you, Lucasfilm, for trademarking and all of the legalese that goes with that. But, I mean, the first lightsabers that we ever saw, there they are. It's the, uh, what, the Graflex handle, two Graflex handles. 
and uh, the Obi-Wan saber. These are the original three. Now, I can't tell you if these are, you know, screen use props or not, but there are so many third-party aftermarket companies that are making lightsabers now that, uh, man, some of them look better than the screen use prop. Yeah, it's me. But back in 1977, these were it. These were the ones that you got to see that was uh, while Luke Skywalker's Skywalker's lightsaber, technically Anakin Skywalker's uh, lightsaber or saber. The Youngling Slayer 3000. (laughs) (laughs) Keep this uh, safe. Your dad used it to kill lots of children. You know, and I think by now, I think most of us, I mean, is there anybody out there who doesn't know history of these things by now that these were uh, camera flash handles? Well, we certainly know. We know. Yeah. So the, the, the history. still might not know. <laughs> the average viewer, that's true. So certainly the uh, the Skywalker and the Vader one are, are the more obvious examples of this. These were um, uh, light. Uh, flashlight, not flashlight. What am I saying here? They were camera flash handles. And the story goes that uh, the set decorator, Roger Christian, um, actually went to a camera shop in London when they were making the production, looking for spare parts. Uh, and the camera shop, they were all the production was already renting equipment from them anyway. And basically, in a box of spare parts were these flash handles. And uh, we got the iconic lightsaber prop out of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's like a, a microcosm of of reminding everyone how the entire first movie was scratch built. Oh my gosh, yeah. You know, they yeah. Used, after you know, the fact. They kit bashed model kits to build the Death Star and the Falcon and, and what have you, right? Yeah. You know what's really interesting about that? I mean, are you guys fans of uh, Adam Savage uh, from Mythbusters? Mm-hmm. You follow what his uh, YouTube channel? Yeah, so on Tested. Adam actually came out and uh, and and kind of pulled the uh, the veil back on that. There's a piece of uh, of I don't even know what model kit it's from. They call it the Universal Greebly. All those little like Greeblies. It's that that term that they use for all of the little when you say kit bash, like all the little bumps and knobs and like weird looking mechanical stuff that protrudes right. from all right. of the ships and designs. The Universal Greebly, they call it that because it was used so much. It's it basically is on every starship design in that universe. Yeah, in Star Wars. So when when Lucasfilm or when ILM went digital, you know that they scanned the Universal Greebly, and they have continued to this day digitally using it. Continue to use it in uh, in current Star Wars projects. So that's nice. super cool. Nice little uh, legacy touch. Yeah, yeah. Adam was saying that. Um, when they ran out of model kits, they were started casting. They they saved some and they were casting them in resin. So if they needed to, he can, he said like when he was working because he worked on the on the, the prequel trilogy, he's like they were making like runs of them, like dozens of them at a time out of resin. <laughs> Whatever works. Yeah, yeah. So these were the first lightsabers that anybody ever saw. I mean, Andy, you've got. Uh, I, I do. I've got. You've not got a Graflex, but uh, we've got a Highland version. And when you strip off the uh, flash reflector attachment, you've got your basic handle. Yeah, I mean, even if the I don't know, yeah, the, uh, I was going to say if the 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 backing part of that comes off, I mean, you've got what it essentially looks uh, like screws and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, you get essentially what is your lightsaber emitter. Yeah, um, but that's it. Like in a nutshell, there it is. There it is. I mean, that is essentially what they basically started. What they got, and oh my god, does it ever work? 
do you guys remember your first uh i mean you can't talk about lightsabers without you know bringing up your own childhood true mm-hmm. do you guys remember your first lightsaber no oh it's probably a broom to tell you the truth <laughs> it's probably five minutes before my dad bought me a licensed version of something but <laughs> i know i know i remember like i don't actually remember having it but i remember seeing photographs of myself very young maybe six seven like right sure, in that sure. area with the inflatable yellow one that they had and well I wanted to talk about that for a second because, oh, I should have brought that up sooner. Yeah. So there's uh, Roger Christian as he is, uh, um, as he was then and then now. And of course there is a Graflex camera handle and uh, there's an ad for, for it there, but as well. And there is an actual screen used uh, um, Skywalker saber, but uh, talking about your first lightsaber and you'd mentioned the first licensed one. (laughs) That's it. That's the one. Do you see that thing? Man that thing is awful yeah. <laughs> it's so bad yeah it's literally what a cheap flashlight with an inflatable yeah end it was not very stiff and i i, I recall that it didn't hold air very well <laughs> help luke and han battle darth with your inflatable lightsaber that is a, an actual yeah. ad from a catalog somewhere well, at least it wouldn't cause too many or too much damage to the other no kid. no no exactly <laughs> We were talking and about that, uh, that the rabbit void. hole that it begins with the, with the yellow color. Oh my gosh! I, you know what? I actually right. thought about uh, uh, about mentioning that in the notes. I didn't make a note on it, but we can talk about that. Yeah, that that goes back to that whole man, the marketing, and uh, when you're given a in 1977, and you're given a bunch of black and white drawings, and you've got to extrapolate what things are going to be that the the wires sometimes get crossed, right? And the toy company just says, "Run with it." We well, probably had an excess of, uh, you know, yellow inflatable plastic. I'm going to say this. Uh, kudos to Kenner for being consistent that both the the role play lightsaber and Luke Skywalker's lightsaber in the, the three and three quarter inch figure were yellow. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at least they were consistent. I mean, you look at even the photo, <laughs> the photo on the package shows a <laughs> Luke Skywalker with, with yellow. yellow. Yeah, And yeah. I mean. It, it could have been the quality of the test prints that they put out or who knows. Uh, yeah. Uh, Cause even Marvel who, who um, I can't remember Louis, Louis Simonson. I, I can't remember exactly, but they, they were test screened the movie before they put the comic into production. It was really sure. early version. Yeah. And pink and yellow lightsabers make it into the, the comic, the first initial run. Like, yeah. Uh, putting the notes together for this one, I actually came across a, uh, a, um, a an example in the Marvel run where Luke Skywalker's lightsaber is incorrectly uh, a colored red. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah, that light yeah. pink, which is like because the, the the old tech on the sabers they didn't cast the light that the new ones cast, and so when no. the when the center is washed out uh, by the camera, they look almost white and or yellow or pink you know a lot less sort of solid than the modern ones that's right yeah i mean this is all you think back to 77 80 and 83 that was all done uh rotoscoping so i mean hand hand paint even this guy looks so blue to me in the room but on camera it looks whitish blue i can see the blue hue around your shirt because you get a black shirt on but the center the, the core of that looks absolutely it's so white. intensely white yeah and, yeah, yeah yeah and so it's a neat trick of the camera uh they they even filmed the lightsaber duels with the the modern dueling sabers now we'll get into we're that gonna, after we're gonna get we're gonna get into that especially the uh the the transition from blue to green that's a mm. that's a major talking point but uh sticking with the whole first lightsaber thing i mean 
how about a vintage 1970s uh, flashlight oh, yeah. or some uh, wrapping paper tubes around Christmas time? Tube. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> I mean, you can't use I mean, even now as a, as a 40, almost 50 year old man, mm. you cannot pick up a wrapping paper tube without giving it a swing, right? Yep. No, absolutely. <laughs> within range is getting swatted. Of course they are. Yeah. I All built right, one so... a plumbing pipe the other day or not the other day, but a few months ago, I built, <laughs> I built one in a plumbing pipe. I would, st- I would, I would like to see that. The uh, DIY <laughs> market is big right now. Absolutely. If you're going to cosplay and troop your own, I mean, hey, why not? It's part of the reason why the old Graflex handles have gone up so much in value. Oh, my God. Thank God for the third-party companies, um, of which we're going to talk about later on tonight. Um, Mm -hmm. Because of that, uh, all those old Graflex handles got gobbled up by the collector community. And uh, yep, be lucky if you're you're a vintage camera collector. Good luck, sir. Right. (laughs) You may not get one. You probably don't even understand why the market's so screwed. (laughs) Yeah, really. So we had uh, essentially uh, a, a universal weapon uh in those three lightsabers we saw between 1977 and 1983 and with the exception of just the the colors they were this mysterious kind of thing that we just accepted for what they were because that's all we'd seen Mm. and then the expanded universe came along (laughs) (laughs) and uh, when the eu came along suddenly we are uh you know overwhelmed with this like deluge of alternate light weapons i'll call them light weapons i suppose light based and a lot of these a lot of the ideas that came out of the expanded universe especially i mean looking at this slide we're looking at the beginning at the middle uh, image there um the double bladed lightsaber although the handle is much shorter i mean arguably that might just be the the most famous idea to make it forward into film and uh, has become a, a staple of star wars ever since the double bladed lightsaber but there's a lot more we have the uh, the light whip that was introduced in the Marvel comics back in the 70s in 77 actually the cross guard lightsaber you think uh, that it was new in the force awakens no cross guard lightsaber has been around a little bit longer than that it actually came up in uh, oh my gosh uh, the old republic the old republic video game yeah i believe so then we have the light foil. The light foil, that's a that's a funny one from uh, the role-playing game from the West End games where uh, nobles, this noble uh, sector of space where the, essentially it was these like noble houses and they'd taken to, the, the aristocracy had taken to building these like low-powered lightsabers that they called light foils and they would have these like, these honorific duels just for that's the sake of, yeah, they were, <laughs> it was kind of goofy. Kind they, of a- there was a throwback to, to the Macquarie original pointy, the ones like they use in Rebels. Yeah. Love yeah. Yeah. The, the much more narrow, slender, mm-hmm. slender blade. A lightsaber set to stun. <laughs> you know, a lot of, a lot of the stuff that got established, I mean, uh, hats off to the folks over at Dark Horse Comics who really visualized a lot of the stuff that we now accept as being just, you know, everyday Star Wars. Yeah. Bring your attention to the lower left hand corner there. That is uh, an ancient ancient lightsaber the proto saber which functions pretty much like a a regular lightsaber with the exception that it requires an external power source or at least it did uh, in legends lore and uh, interestingly enough old hacksmith industries at kitchener ontario canada has actually 
made a functioning sort of version of the Proto Saber. And now it runs on, I think, propane, propane, and it's got a very specialized uh, valve system. But essentially, there it is, a, uh, the, the world's first fully retractable Proto Saber. Now, it's not a lightsaber, but it is a, uh, at least stylistically, it sort of fits the bill, right? And they had a certain chemical mixture to get a certain light. Yeah, to get the color. To get the proper tone. Now, yeah. If you go check out their YouTube channel, it's uh, yeah. Hacksmith, Hacksmith Industries on YouTube. They're awesome. Um, and, and, and it'll Qui-Gon the shit out of a door. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. They're, they go through like a bunch of stuff where they yeah. put this thing to the test where they start melting stuff with it. And it is like uber satisfying to watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah um, Not available to the public though yet. No, no, much, certainly much like not. the retractable Disney version. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which apparently is not uh not what it's cracked up to be. No, apparently not. Unfortunately. All right, let's talk about the uh, going back to the original trilogy because one thing that the original trilogy established was that uh there were only just a few colors. We got uh, blue, red, and then in Return of the Jedi we got uh green. Mm-hmm. And uh, that kind of goes practically back to being based on the fact that uh, the, the way they were filming the jab of the hut barge scene, the blue lights yeah. was being washed out by the background. It was actually a technical decision that there, there actually exists footage of Luke wielding a blue lightsaber on the barge. If you've ever Absolutely. seen. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, early marketing for return of the Jedi did show and dailies when they were filming, they actually started out with a blue lightsaber, but oh, as you the novel say, a blue lightsaber. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a huge difference when you think about the way that star Wars was made in what 76, I mean, it was all on a sound stage. So right, right. on a sound stage, you could rotoscope the blue and, and it would look just fine against the high contrast, like the black of the death star. Yeah. But in the, you know, like azure blue skies of Tatooine, your blue blade kind of yeah, loses it, something that yeah, completely washes away. So yeah, we had uh, what uh, essentially three three colors. Mm-hmm. Well, then the prequels came along, and mm-hmm. thank God for the prequels, right? Because we had, I mean, you know, we call it the dark times, <laughs> where they're just. I mean, if you were not into the comic books or the role playing game, there or any of the the novels, it's a big dry spell. Huge. Uh, for Star Wars content, and then the little thing came along called Attack of the Clones. And uh, one Samuel Jackson, uh, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, but at the same time, rather seriously, kind of bugged the maker. Hey, can I get a purple lightsaber? And uh, eventually they kind of said, okay. Um, kind of funny because he just wanted, he knew, we knew that the, the big battle at Geonosis was, uh, or they knew yeah. that the battle at Geonosis was going to happen. And Sam Jackson didn't want to be lost in a crowd. Right, right. <laughs> Hence, you got a purple lightsaber. And isn't that interesting, though? Because now, now we've got a, well, here's the thing. Now we got to come up with a reason. How does this work? The why. Right. Right. And we're talking, it's the 90s. Uh, Lucas hasn't sold the farm yet. So we're still running on uh, EU rules, which, remember, that was the canon up until, what, 2014? Roughly, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is actually one of the aspects of uh, the old legends and the new canon that actually remains fairly consistent across the board that hasn't really changed a lot. And that really is sort of the the inner workings or the components of a lightsaber, really. They're uh, 
you know, they're made of a few things. Uh, we have an exploded view here on the screen. If you're uh, watching the video version of the show right now, which consists of, you know, a few, a few parts, essentially your, your hand grip, the pommel, the focusing ring, the main hilt, the blade emitter, and uh, we have some sort of energy core in legends. That would have been a power cell, but they've changed that now. And then we have the addition of a, uh, of a crystal or crystals, depending on uh, which side of the lore we're talking about. And uh, that's actually going to sort of occupy a lot of the, the discussion here as we go forward, because, uh, oh, those pesky crystals. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, with the expanded universe, and I mean, the expanded universe was doing this long before the prequels came out. Like you had virtually every color of the rainbow. Um but, you know, they did pretty good at sort of, you know, visualizing things in the existing colors, the colors that we had, uh, we had seen. Red for your Sith. Exactly. And then, you know, things like, oh, Knights of the Old Republic came along and suddenly while they kind of, um, you know, saved the, uh, the, the visual of the lightsaber to be fairly consistent with what we had seen on the films, they, they took the idea of lightsaber crystals and they really ran with it adding something like what is it i think it's 15 there 15 enhancing crystals that not only enhanced the lightsaber itself but it also enhanced the the user based on sort of their their disposition within the force mm-hmm. our first uh, comment from facebook coming in tonight unknown facebook user says uh, favorite lightsaber of all time count dooku yeah it's I a like sexy count- one I do like Dooku's lightsaber. Actually, really? I've got a, we've got a slide for Count Dooku's lightsaber actually coming up here in the near future. So stay tuned. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in detail. 15 crystals. Oddly enough, the uh, crate dragon pearl that we got to see finally in uh, what was Mandalorian in Mandalorian uh, was actually uh, uh, could be used in a lightsaber to enhance it. Chip it down. A bit. Well, I was going to say be, uh, Mandalorian went, <laughs> oh, kind of blew the blew the doors open on that. Apparently, they're a lot bigger than what I thought they were just get a whole bunch of them out of one a lot of the names that you're seeing on screen here if you're watching right now like bondar and uh, solari phone uh fond and some of the other names those names are recycled and they show up later on in the new canon there's a very interesting relation between the uh, expanded universe crystals and the 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 new crystals and we'll talk about that a little bit more but as i was saying there are 15 crystals essentially that got introduced through those two video games but man um that's nothing if did you got either of you guys play the old republic the mmo yes i mean they took that to a whole new level because there's something in the neighborhood of 117 uh variations of lightsaber crystals across several hues of colors (laughs) and they all they all had different properties like way more than i could even think about getting into but little bit 117 varieties of crystal that's ludicrous levels yeah i I mean now in the the modern you know non uh licensed savers if you will you're talking oh yeah 16 million colors Mm -hmm. the rgb boards oh my gosh Yeah. yeah 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 all right so let's talk a little bit about uh crystals specifically because you know um before 1992, 
there were no mention of crystals in within connection use. yeah within uh, connected to lightsabers at all no no you're right Another Facebook comment. I want a Jedi with a red lightsaber. Bad guys don't own the color red. Well, that's an interesting point that you make because we're going to talk about that right about now. Um, yeah, so no no crystals uh, before 1992. And it was only until the Dark Horse uh, comic series, uh, Dark Empire, where the, the name Adigan, Adigan crystals are mentioned in an end note. And uh, they are mentioned as being found in the Ilum system. Again, another recycled name. Then in 1994, the Tales of the Jedi comic uh, from Dark Horse uh, reference the planet Adiga. And Adiga would become the default world where Jedi would get their lightsaber crystals mm -hmm. until they discovered the planet Ilum. Well, in 1996, the radio drama of uh, return of the Jedi retroactively made Adigan crystals, a part of the lightsaber when Brian Daly expanded one of uh, return of the Jedi's deleted scenes that depicted Luke constructing his new uh, green lightsaber. And uh, that's a, that's a really interesting part because uh, that lightsaber crystal is synthetic, hmm. at least yeah. in the old lore, it's synthetic. Essentially yes. uh, he made it in a, a essentially a little oven and uh, so a Facebook user about uh, red, red crystals in the old lore, Sith lightsaber crystals were synthetic. That's huh. correct. Yes. Yeah. They yeah. were, they were considered synthetic and they were more powerful. They made a stronger lightsaber blade than a Jedi's lightsaber. Hmm. Yeah. 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 I heard a fun fan theory this week about Luke's green saber. I did as well the origin of his crystal yeah yeah go for it it actually makes a lot of sense if it is i kind of like it, it actually is. uh you know because he's on tatooine building a saber and it's a good way to reconcile yeah you're yeah, not yeah. going to find too many crystals on tatooine but you might find a certain one in the possession of ben kenobi's old stuff absolutely and it turns out this fan theory says that maybe it's the same crystal from qui-gon jinn's saber that obi-wan may have collected qui-gon's saber and, kept and held on to it yeah which is a which is a far cry from the legends explanation where when he's camping out at ben's place in shadows of the empire he actually makes a point of saying like as he's making the new lightsaber that he should let r2d2 test it because there's every chance that it will explode it explode but, yeah. but then he's like I, he couldn't fathom anything happening to r2 so he he does it himself but yeah that's right What's cool is like with lightsaber crystals being synthetic or that you can make your own lightsaber crystal that changes, you know, what we know about darksiders mm -hmm. and that a Jedi very well could have a red lightsaber that it's just a color. Yeah. So, um, synthetic crystals also known as a synth crystal, they could be made in an, uh, in this oven actually called a geological compressor. Kind of like, you know, when you put enough pressure on coal, you can get a, get diamond. a diamond. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Same thing. And uh, crystals could be made anywhere from uh, one to four days. Now, the Sith discovered that uh, synthetic crystals could be modified by the dark side and made for stronger lightsaber blades. And because the creation pro because of the creation process, most most synth crystals were red, but they could be made any color through the creation process or by manipulating them with the Force. And again, that's cool because in Legends, it means that red sabers are not exclusively do the domain of a darksider. 
And in Legends, it is uh, it's heavily implied that Asajj Ventress, Mace Windu, and Darth Vader's lightsabers are made with synth crystals. Huh. So there you go, Adigan crystals. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of cool because we get this whole Ilum goes all the way back. It's a very old name that just keeps coming back and gets recycled. Unfortunately, it doesn't fare very well in the in the new canon. <laughs> Um, but that brings us to sort of like, that's essentially how, uh, lightsaber crystals worked in legends or in the, uh, the old lore as it were, which brings us into the new lore. And before we can get to the, to the modern Kyber crystal, we got to take a look at the, the word origin of that. And I know it seems kind of pedantic and silly, but I mean, you, you have to, you have to look at it in order to understand how these leaps were made. Next link in the chain. Absolutely. So, I mean, the modern lore talks about the, the Kyber crystals. Um, if you've never heard the term Kyber crystal before, maybe uh, go back and have a look at uh, Rogue One because it's uh, talked about quite heavily. Or or you can go back and you can read the uh, 1977 novel, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, mm-hmm. and you can uh, get another explanation of what the Kyber crystal is. Or we can go all the way back to 1975 where in a story outline for one of the earliest script drafts for star wars this one comes from the uh, 1975 synopsis uh, and typed outline from the adventures of luke star killer episode one the star wars there's a quote from uh, ben kenobi who says uh quote the force is all around us it can be collected and transmitted through the use of a kyber crystal it's the only way to amplify the power of the force within you hmm interesting that uh, that far back in 1975 that george lucas was playing around the, with the idea that this crystal was the MacGuffin, right and only through it uh, with this crystal you could use the force that it you needed it to, to do that well that kind of makes uh what they did with uh visions last year absolutely much more when the one guy grafted it right to his suit. yeah 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 very much so uh facebook comment says uh, my favorite of the early novels splinter of the mind's eye was great you know, there's a <laughs> that's a contentious uh, opinion to have. I share that opinion. I think yeah, it's a I loved good it. book. You have to read that book through the lens of in 1977, nobody knew that Star Wars was going to be this huge international hit that it was. And so you get a book that is written from the perspective there is no more Star Wars. This will be this is the only sequel you're going to get. Mm. And the, the relationships are much different. There's a, there's a semi romantic relationship between Luke and Leia, or at least the, the seeds are planted. Like they really do some zany stuff in this yeah, one. Leia, right. Leia hacks Vader's arm off. Yeah. It's really cool. It's totally worth reading. I would say. Yeah. It's really good. And the, uh, the three early Han Solo novels that came out same. Yeah. Yeah. They're uh, a lot of fun too. A lot of fun. Yeah. Well, anyway, the idea of needing a crystal to use the force was obviously uh, ultimately abandoned. And the force was something that came from uh, <coughs> midichlorians. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's all around us. It penetrates us, binds the universe together. All right. In 1977, in Splinter of the Mind's Eye, um, the notion of the kyber crystal got revisited. We changed the spelling this time from uh, K-I-B-E-R to K-A-I-B-U-R-R. And now the Kyber crystal, it's a, it's a one-off becomes this like immensely powerful force relic 
capable of magnifying force users uh, abilities by like a thousand times coincidentally uh, splinter of the mind's eye is the first use of force healing in uh, star wars media hmm. one hitch though to the kyber crystal is that it only works on that planet oh. uh, in proximity to this ancient temple the temple of uh of uh, pomojima on the planet sir Carpus five known locally to the to the locals as uh, mimban and uh, there's another name that got recycled we saw that in uh, star wars uh, solo a star wars story mm. that's the uh, planet where han was fighting as part of the imperial army on mimban where he meets chewbacca yeah 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 right so if you took the kyber crystal away uh, from the temple it started to lose power and if you took it off world it would cease to function uh, altogether at some point, there was a reconciliation there where they there was a fragment of the kyber crystal, almost like a, a crystal shard, kind of in the vein of the dark crystal. Mm-hmm. That fragment apparently could be used as a lightsaber focusing crystal as well. Hmm. All right, like that concept has been abandoned either. Like a lot of people have recycled that concept. Like oh yeah, even in Marvel comics, if you take the Infinity Gauntlet out of its own universe, it's useless. Yeah, right? yeah, that's so true. That's so true. And that kind of brings us to the uh, the modern sort of iteration of of kyber crystals and kyber crystals and adigan crystals. They kind of they kind of blur together. Like there's some elements of the two that are synonymous, but then there's other things about them that are like very very different. There's a there's another name for for a crystal, and I can't recall it off the top of my head. But I remember in Legends, there were robots. Uh, Jedi temple robots that were powered by this crystal and it made mm. the robots force sensitive. Do you guys recall that? I don't remember that one. I gotta, I gotta throw up that link. Um, now I'm gonna have I to find that. Yeah. Maybe and that's why uh, R2. In Legends, yeah, some really. of them even made it through to the <laughs> like Return of the Jedi era and fought with the rebellion at, at Endor. And right, to, right, uh, right. I gotta, yeah, I gotta throw that up. But that was part of my idea for my thinking that maybe R2 is actually force sensitive. Force sensitive, yeah. And if these crystals could power those robots, why couldn't why this couldn't crystal he have, have powered R2 kind of actually? I suppose, yeah. But there's even that legend. Rusty innards. Right. That's one of the, and there's one of the big differences, right? For being force sensitive. Uh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they make a point of distinguishing that uh, the, the EU Adigan crystal, they say, is force reactive. Right. Whereas the, the current canon Kyber crystal is like they're semi-intelligent and mm-hmm. considered to be alive that they are they are both made of organic and inorganic material at the same time right yeah they're really really weird that way multifunctional yeah 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 um so the uh, a kyber crystal or kyber crystals are considered to have a collective consciousness hmm Oh, Facebook user. Yeah, the crystals kind of had sentience in legends. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Uh, up. yeah. And here's the, the other thing where they say like an Adigan crystal, the old EU Adigan crystals were force reactive. The thing with a Kyber crystal, Kyber crystals are inherently attuned to the light side of the force and they are nearly indestructible, um, which makes them uh, very attractive to people like the Empire when they're you know, building, building a super weapon. <laughs> a Death Star laser. <laughs> Kyber crystals are first canonized into the new canon in uh, 2012. It was uh, episode six 
of the fifth season of Star Wars The Clone Wars. That one is The Gathering, and it aired on uh, November 3rd, 2012. Kyber crystals are found in several uh, systems throughout the galaxy, including dun, 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 the Adiga system. Nice little nod of bringing that that stuff forward. Another case of like, hey, we'll just pick and choose what we want from the old lore and bring it forward. But I thought that was a nice little connective piece mm. to keep the two together. And apparently Attica was seen uh, in a force vision uh, by Ray in The Force Awakens. But uh, where? I, I couldn't tell you. Mm. But uh, kyber crystals were also found uh, in places like Jetta, uh, particularly the Temple of the Wills uh, in Jetta City and on the planet Ilum, making its return once again. Of course, in the case of Jeddah, the Empire seized uh, most of the crystal deposits from the Kyber Temple there to power the uh, super laser for the first Death Star. And that's kind of, that gets a little tricky because it gets into like the scientific thing about Kyber crystals where, you know, uh, Galen Erso and, and his project about using them as a, as a, basically a limitless power source got kind of corrupted and mm-hmm. his ideas got uh, co-opted into the, the mega laser. But speaking of Ilum, <laughs> Ilum was the main repository for Jedi uh, lightsaber crystals for like 10,000 years. Uh, and then the empire came along and that all changed because that planet, if you thought Jeddah got the short end of it, when they stole all the crystals from the temple, that's nothing compared to what they did to Ilum. In uh, Ilum, it's heavily implied, if not on the nose, yes. was basically uh, uh, converted into Star Killer Base. That they literally used the crystal deposits Within of Ilum, yeah, to power the the super weapon. Horrible, horrible experience, and you get to see the sort of the transition of that because we get an episode, uh, the Clone Wars episode where Ahsoka takes the Jedi younglings there, where they go to get their, their first lightsaber crystals. And then we get to visit the planet again in Jedi Fallen Order, and we yeah. see, like, oh, my God, they are literally, like, mining the crap out of it. They start to see the formation of the trench. And then, of course, the final result is what we see in uh, in The Force Awakens in uh, Starkiller Base. Mm-hmm. So one of the, the big differences about uh, between Adigan crystals and Kyber crystals uh, an Adigan crystal would be the, 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 the lightsaber blade color would have been determined by the crystal color. Not so in the case of Kyber crystals, naturally occurring Kyber crystals, uh, are colorless as was the case of uh, Jin Urso's Kyber pendant that her mother gave to her. Mm-hmm. There's an inscription on that pendant. It says, uh, trust in the force. Well, uh, so here's, here's where we get into the weeds a little bit on sort of uh, saber colors. And it's that um, a lightsaber, a kyber crystal, uh, they, they have a resonant, I don't want to say it's a resonant frequency. This is where we get into sort of the, uh, the mumbo jumbo of the force and how Jedi is kind of do things. But the Jedi could hear the crystals. They would say that the crystals would sing to them. And that's how they knew that the crystal was intended for them. And it's only through that bond where not only does the Jedi accept the crystal, but the crystal accepts the Jedi that the crystal takes on its color based on the personality of the Jedi. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. Well, whenever you get like say a normal crystal and you hold it up the sudden, you know, the rainbow is in there. That's right. The entire rainbow is there. So 
whatever comes out could be just a reflection of it is yeah user. it's absolutely a reflection of the person who it's bonding to the will of the force yes it just so happens that most of them turned either blue or green mm-hmm. but now this is where we start to reconcile some of that other weird stuff that's happened before we do have other colors that must have been a reflection of their creators like mace windu's purple lightsaber like the yellow lightsabers of the temple guards the black blade of the dark saber and even ahsoka tano's white lightsabers there's a that's a, a bit of a special case that one yeah it's never implicit either that the dark saber has a crystal it could be some other tech i guess so it, you know it's funny though because the the dark saber comes up in our breakdown of the saber types as being a broad saber so mm. i just presume that it had at least one well it's i mean it would make sense yeah it's, it's of all the sabers it's the one that's uh i kind of want to know the most about moving forward it's, i know and, it and like we know get that. so little about so, it right now yeah so yeah, yeah, and yet yeah. we know who made it where it was made how old it is and compared to other sabers we just don't even have that info so <laughs> facebook comment says lol just like hippies who tell people they have a yellow aura or a blue aura or whatever <laughs> <laughs> it's like a mood ring that's right yeah mood nice. sabers. <laughs> all right so yeah um we get some of the the other colors now but here's the problem with this so this is where like you do something because star wars is very much a visual medium and this is where i kind of laugh because they make a point of like oh it's it's based on the user and it's based on their personality well when you do something visually and you forget your own lore and suddenly you have to you've written yourself into a corner You've got to find a way to reconcile with it. And this is one of those cases where it was like, oh, because even though the, the Kyber crystals are bonded to their owners, a Jedi can still tweak the color by themselves by changing the frequency of the crystals. Hence, you have Anakin Skywalker, who literally took Ahsoka's lightsabers and turned them from green to blue. Right. They're not new lightsabers. They're her existing sabers tweaked i always really kind of like the idea that just in his presence because he is the most powerful force user yeah kind of get the impression like anybody's lightsaber would turn his color blue in, in his Coming possession in contact for with ex- him. sort of extended period of time especially if he puts the love and energy that he would put into ahsoka's and caring for them and tuning them and that's an interesting that thought tinkering with them so this is where I, and this was the question I was sort of asked myself earlier today, and I'm going to ask you guys and uh, for everyone who's watching and listening, if a Jedi can still, you know, tune and the, this case is very specific. This is another Jedi, Anakin Skywalker, taking a pair of lightsabers that are clearly green and turning mm. them blue. Mm. Did the crystals change color or just the blades? Mm. Because if the crystals changed colors, then they're not Ahsoka's crystals anymore. They're Anakin's. You know, it's just—it's right. this weird. How do you reconcile that? She doesn't really have. She doesn't wield these blades long enough before she loses them. To sort well, that's of what I mean, like you don't back. really know. Yeah, it would be neat to see in a video game. You know, as the, especially a game, uh, they're redoing the uh, Knights of the Old Republic series. Apparently, yeah, that it would, would be, be nice to see. One. Because there are characters that change in the force, would it be yeah, sure. neat to see the blades change? Like, you know, 
if with Luke, that person. If Luke became aggressive on the, the second Death Star as he was dueling Vader. And would they start turning red? Start turning red in the middle of that fight. <laughs> I mean, that that's a strong indicator that you're leaning too close. I mean, some, uh, right. that wouldn't turn me off at all. That'd be kind of a neat sort of Right, right. Kind of dipped into that in that visions, though. In visions. When uh, all those imposter Jedi showed up and then. Oh, they did. Yeah, you know, they did do that. All went red. Although, you know what? That actually. one guy who turned back. That does speak to the the established lore, though. Even though visions was a standalone, not not a. Not a can. Yeah. Right. The idea that they were all colorless. Like he's just forging them, putting them in there. And then the wielders. Yeah. Bonded to them in that instance. And it affects it. Yeah. That's interesting. That would be interesting to to flesh out in a yeah. in a canonical. If they do a season sense. two of Visions, that'd be nice to keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be down for that. Mm. All right. Well, that brings us back to the uh, you know, what about all the dark siders? How does it work for them? Well, um, yeah. So where is it here? You've heard me say it a million times. Read the comics, kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As we mentioned before, kyber crystals are inherently attuned to the light side of the force. And because of that, they naturally resist any attempt from a dark sider to be used in a lightsaber. Now, to do this, uh, the dark sider uh, basically has to undergo what is basically a sort of mental battle where they must pour in all of their negative emotions. Remember that little thing that Yoda said? Hate leads to fear, leads to suffering. All those emotions get poured into the crystal, and only when the dark sider has completely dominated the crystal, it actually damages the organic parts of the crystal, causing them to bleed, mm-hmm. and they turn red. And only then, once they've been bled, can they be used in a dark sider's. Palpatine literally calls it bleeding the crystal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in this case, in the in the slide that we're looking at right now. Uh, Darth Vader's first lightsaber was actually a green crystal belonging to uh, the Jedi Master Kirak Infila. This crystal resisted him, uh, Vader by subject- subjecting him to intense visions that nearly drove him insane. Talk about, uh, wow, get your work cut out for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then we get, so now the other big one is, what about uh, what about Kylo Ren's unstable lightsaber? Because that's a special case mm. too, isn't it? Right. We learn that uh, during the process of of bleeding his own crystal, because that is the crystal from Ben Solo's uh, right. blue blue lightsaber. But in the bleeding process, Kylo Ren actually cracks the crystal, uh, and, and so in order to compensate that, when you crack a lightsaber crystal, it becomes very dangerous because the amount of energy that it is now releasing is like exponentially more than a faceted crystal a little less elegant yeah so that's why we ended up adding the uh, vents on the side of ben solo's lightsaber to make kylo ren's cross guard lightsaber yeah so it's a pretty special case which kind of takes me to the next point because now we have we've we've got crystals can be broken mm-hmm. but they can also be healed mm-hmm. and we have a couple of cases uh where this has happened i mean the the big one the most Probably the most memorable one is uh, Ahsoka Tano. She actually uh, fought an Inquisitor. No lightsaber at all, by the way, no because remember, remember she had, she, she left, her she left her sabers at the crash site 
when uh, her Star Destroyer went down. Vader recovered them. And so she's without weapons when the Inquisitorius show up looking for her. Now she fights this guy. Uh, who is this guy? This is the, uh, the sixth brother. Yeah, so she fights the sixth brother. By the way, she could hear the sixth brother's lightsaber crystals singing to her. Hmm. So uh, she, through the, the force, actually unseated the crystals from the lightsaber causing it to explode killing the sixth brother See, and she in uh, here yeah yeah, well, yeah vader is in possession of her lightsabers it's not a huge stretch to say that he bleeds those crystals and then perhaps those crystals oh, wow. go into the sabers that are so maybe she's actually the to the inquisitorious well that's an interesting thought and so maybe and she's, she's just healing her, her own crystals yeah. isn't that something though <laughs> that'd be cool man that is definitely an interesting thought so those lightsabers uh, that she made use uh, the healed crystals from the Six Brothers spinning lightsaber. Mm. But there's another there's another example um, in the Force tug of war between Rey and Kylo Ren uh, when they actually snap the uh, the Skywalker lightsaber that also cracked the lightsaber crystal, and so Rey ends up using a Force technique that she learned. Turns out Ray actually did read some of the ancient Jedi texts before uh, she stuffed them in that drawer in the Millennium Falcon. This one is the uh, Chronicles of, of Bruce Boo, where she learned a technique to heal the crystal. Hence, she was able to repair the Skywalker saber. Nice. All right. That takes us through the... Uh, oh, what do we got here? A new comment. New comment coming in here. This one says, uh, One Star Wars character I, I likes a lot was General Grievous, precisely because... He's using lightsabers from various Jedi of multiple colors with different crystals. True story. I mean, what other way? There's no other way to say that. Absolutely. Um, in fact, I would say Grievous, man, I've mentioned this before, and I'm, I'm going to say it again. Grievous was never more terrifying than he was in the Gendi Tartakovsky Clone yeah, Wars really. shorts, um, where he was a like terrifying, like <laughs> literally those Jedi uh, and um, Kiari Mundi was there. They were like, they were quaking in their boots uh, mm. when he showed up at the Battle of uh, the Battle of Coruscant. All right, that kind of brings us sort of full circle here to the how lightsabers work and how crystals work. Man, I I put together a list, and this is kind of weird because I I think some of these are redundant, but I've 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 put them all together anyway. We're gonna take a run through. Every lightsaber variant that appears in the current canon that is listed uh, in the, uh, the the Wikipedia, which is sort of the uh, the open source reference guide for all things Star Wars. So you could take that with a grain of salt, but everything that they thought required a separate entry, I have put it in here and I've got an example for each one. So let's let's take a run through those. All right, here they are. There's like seven, what, 17 of them, I think there is. One, two, three. The Sith lightsaber, the double-bladed lightsaber with its one, two, three, five variants. <laughs> the dual phase, broadsaber, great lightsaber, crossguard lightsaber, and on and on and on, which we're going to go through in a little bit more detail that's right now. now. Yeah. <laughs> right Who knows now. what they'll come up with later? Yeah, some of these are going to show up in uh, multiple categories, by the way. All right. It seems like for every variety of sword in our own history that there would be some lightsaber variant. And uh, like I said before, some of them are going to fall into multiple categories. 
So right off the hitch, just kind of where we left off here with the uh, blood crystals, we've got your Sith lightsaber or your Dark Sider lightsaber. Of course, some popular examples would be uh, uh, Emperor Palpatine, Darth Vader, and of course, Darth Tyrannus. A.K.A. Count Sith lightsabers or Dark Sider lightsabers, they are constructed by uh, using similar methods and materials to a Jedi's lightsaber. But again, as Sith cannot bond to their crystals, they must be bled in order to complete the process. But otherwise, they now function exactly the same as a Jedi's lightsaber, unlike the EU, which said that they were stronger. That's not the case anymore. They just have hate flowing through them. They do. <laughs> they do. All right. The double-bladed lightsaber. Who can forget that one? Um, probably the biggest, like, ooh, in uh, new Star Wars. Um, the double-bladed lightsaber. This is a lightsaber. And so this is where it gets kind of, we get into the weeds a little bit, because the true double-bladed lightsaber is not just two lightsabers stuck together. It is a purpose-built lightsaber with two emitters. Mm. So an emitter on each end. It just so happened that Darth Maul's continued to function after it was cut in half, but it was not designed to be used as two separate weapons. It was one weapon. More of a lightsaber bow staff. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is the, uh, the double bladed lightsaber. We got uh, Darth Maul uses one. We've got Asajj Ventress who uses a, a a specialized version of the, the double bladed saber. And then uh, Maul's brother, Savage Opress. And that takes us into some of the variants because of all of the variants, it is the double bladed that has the most. We'll start with the uh, hinged, the hinged double bladed. And I had forgotten that we had seen this before the movies that uh, the sequence with uh, dark Ray, mm-hmm. where we saw right. dark Ray uh, unfold one. Well, general Pong Krell in the uh, clone wars carried a, a pair of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 The double-bladed lightsaber uh, collapsed uh, in half for easier storage, but uh, practically speaking, both blades could be activated while the lightsaber was folded and used to trap the blade of another lightsaber. Also, some of the uh, Jedi Temple Guard lightsaber pikes are also hinged. Hmm. That brings us to the... uh, the spinning double-bladed lightsaber. Now, this is uh, unique that only the Inquisitorious are known to use these. So that's an interesting... That goes back to what you were saying before, Hank, about headcanon. Like, where are these things coming from? Like, Right, right. And why Why do the Inquisitorious all build the same design? Is that by, by order? Or, like, are these manufactured and just given to them? Now, put your crystals in them. I, 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 I tend to think that, especially in light of all those lightsabers that lining their sort of their throne room if you will yeah 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 well certainly there'd be no no shortage of of crystals for them to uh to choose from right i mean here we have and there are some variation here i mean if you look at the the difference between the grand inquisitor the third sister and the fifth brother there are some subtle differences little minor tweaks like of the three of those rivas Rivas were actually designed to work as a split saber to actually be, they are two lightsabers put together, mm-hmm. but also with the spinning track of the, uh, the spinning lightsaber, the spinning lightsaber uh, is a lightsaber that could be single, single bladed in this configuration. It represents, it resembles a sword with a basket hilt. 
but the basket could unfold into a ring where the two emitters would then spin on a circular track. Inquisitor lightsabers also used micro repulsor lifts that allowed the Inquisitors to fly, but they had to use the force to navigate. And there is the answer that I think we, I don't know if I would uh, uh, read that before, uh, mm. before I made the notes. I've never but, heard that before. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. This technique was often used to escape. It <laughs> is kind of how we see them do it too, right? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Taking a page out of the Penguins book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get to the, what they call the split saber. And this is the thing, like a lot of people, not to confuse the, the mall thing again, but this is where two, two uh, single-handed lightsabers are designed to be joined together specifically into a double-bladed lightsaber. And that's where Asajj Ventress, what, for the third time <laughs> shows up, as well as other Jedi like Cal Kestis, mm-hmm. whose split saber is a combination of his own, his Padawan uh, blade, and his master's. Uh, lightsaber now the uh build your own lightsaber kits that were on sale a while ago the blade builders from hasbro yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. came with a lot of those where you could join to them together yeah yeah you could do all kinds of crazy designs we're gonna see some more there's some uh, really wonky ones a lot of these not a lot there are a few examples that we're going to talk about that while canonized they come from like a role-playing supplement uh, where we haven't seen a character on screen or in a novel or in a comic book use them. Mm. Um, so some of the artwork that I had to use had to go back into Legends just because there's no other artwork to support it. Not the case, though, with the uh, lightsaber pike. The lightsaber pike is interesting because it's actually gone through some of the biggest changes from uh, from the EU to the new the new canon, where it's essentially a, a double-bladed lightsaber where the, the handle is considerably longer um and these were sort of the 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 exclusive domain of the the jedi temple guardian now back in the eu they actually talk about it too uh in uh in canon that some of the the handles or the hafts are exceptionally long to the point where the lightsaber now functions more like a spear than a uh than a than a sword and then some of them they put a small shoto blade on the end like a like a little pokey thing on the back end. Huh. Right, right. Luke Skywalker's third lightsaber, most people don't know, before he built his green one. Yeah. He, uh, he, in a Gen- Jedi temple, he encountered the uh, uh, a, a Jedi temple guard's lightsaber and uh, took it for his own and uh, battled uh, basically the Sith version of the Force Ghost. Uh, oh, wow. Which was the Grand Inquisitor. And uh, summer. Oh, really? really? And uh, yeah, so Luke was running around with a yellow lightsaber for uh, a period of time between Empire and Return of the Jedi. Oh, wow. That's super cool. All right. The next one are on our list. This is the uh, the dual phase lightsaber. Now, this has been, uh, again, this was back in the old expanded universe, and it has now been carried forward into canon. Now, Hank, I'm going to rely on your expertise. Is there a, a, a reference for this? They say the comic books, but. Darth Vader's lightsaber is said to be a dual phase lightsaber and a dual phase lightsaber is one that can be adjusted on the fly right. to become twice as long or even shorter. Hmm. Um, there's, it's not, do really, we, do we see him do this in the comic books? Not explicitly, but I mean, no. it, and it could be a variation of artists and stuff. Yeah. Um, I always thought that his blade was longer in return of the Jedi than the other two movies. Uh, that just, may be just my thought. And uh, I had read that in, in EU 
uh, stuff before that the, yeah. uh, the length of the blades were adjustable. Yeah, adjustable to catch your opponent off guard. Mm-hmm. And I um, love the idea of that. And I had also read that like the, the, um, there was a version of the adjustable blade that that worked like you could turn it off and turn it on like it would pulse. Yep. And that both um, Jedi and Sith back, now we're going back like 10,000 years, had banned the use of this style of saber because it, uh, the, uh, the Jedi didn't think it was honorable and the oh, Sith didn't want to be like caught cheating. So and often <laughs> it, it could literally be used for that, you know, that uh, where Kylo Ren kills that that uh, Praetorian guard with it, where he holds oh, it up and right, just ignites right, it. Right. It would be like that, like slip right. a move. Uh, turn the the blade off in mid swing and turn it back on like you know so it was a lot like cheating <laughs> but the, right, the right. blades were tuned designed to do that at critical points so interesting maybe similar to the uh, the the dual phase blades maybe maybe here's another one this is another one that uh there there's a listing for it but i don't know of an on screen uh reference for it and that is the great oh sorry i i've skipped over one we're going to the broad saber now sorry the broad saber um, this is exactly what you think it is. It's essentially a lightsaber broadsword. So instead of having a, a, a cone shaped blade, it is a, a much flatter, wider blade. And of course the, the biggest example I can come up with is, uh, Tar Vizsla's, uh, dark saber as a, a variation of a, uh, broad saber. And Lucas had always written the sabers to be heavy broadsword weapons. That's why yeah. they were wielded the way they were in a new hope. I don't know what the advantage is to doing this, like to, to have a weapon like this other than for, cause I mean, the way that they work now, they're, I guess the, the whole weighted thing, we kind of got a bit of an explanation in that with uh, Din Djarin and his struggling to, to wield or to control the, the power. Mm-hmm. I suppose it does make sense from that, that perspective. Mm. I, I wonder mean, if you would have the same, the same for uh, Sabine too, right? Like, would they have had two. the same, yeah, would they have had the same struggle? Was uh, were it a traditional like cone shaped, uh, regular lightsaber? I don't think so. I don't uh, know. Uh, Sabine tends uh, she uses Ezra's lightsaber a couple of times without uh, any issue. Without or... any issue. Yeah. So maybe it's unique to the broad saber style uh, or the broad perhaps. saber uh, models. Because you figure, like, in Force Awakens, Finn picks up the saber, no problem. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. you know, tries his best. Well, yeah, he does. All right. So here, this is what I was saying. There, this, There's no, I couldn't find it on screen or a, a comic book uh, use of this, but the great, the great lightsaber. Now, these are uh, lightsabers that are just, uh, they function exactly as a regular lightsaber, but they are made for the large creatures of the Star Wars galaxy. In this case, you're right coughed up a picture of a uh, herglick standing mm-hmm. beside a, a humanoid so give give you an idea i mean that that lady is roughly human sized well you gotta think you know yoda's saber is the reverse of that right yes so it is it makes sure perfect though. sense that they could go the opposite direction yeah 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 so the great saber long lightsabers made for large creatures all right next up on the list the old cross guard lightsaber. We already talked about the uh, Kylo Ren uh, variant, which, by the way, is based on an ancient, ancient design. Only the, um, what do you call these? They are called, um, oh my lord, they are uh, Quillins. Quillins, like the sword piece, the cross guard. Each, right. each uh, side of the cross guard is called a Quillin. 
we get our first uh, High Republic character here, Stellan Gios. He is a uh, user of a crossguard lightsaber where uh, he has got a physical crossguard that is spanned by two little energy quillins. The, the purpose is that remains the same. It's to protect the, uh, the user's hands, but at the same time also makes it that much more dangerous to the user. <laughs> Ezra Bridger finds one at the, on Moribant or in, in that. That's the right. Aftermath of that he, it only has enough power to sort of turn on and then turn back on. Yeah. 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 All right. And then we get back to uh, some of the other ones. Uh, again, things we've already seen before. Talk about it, the uh, curved hilt lightsaber. This is the, uh, uh, going back to the Count Dooku comment. Count Dooku obviously uh, was, a, was a user of this style. He, he gifted a pair of them to Asajj Ventress. Those, of course, were her, her split saber that she could put together. And Ahsoka Tano's current lightsabers, her white sabers, are built with uh, curved hilts. The idea that the curved hilt would offer uh, a lightsaber duelist a more precise slash and lunge and they were popular among uh, users of uh, form two that's makashi which is a straight up lightsaber to lightsaber combat style it is pure sword fighting mm-hmm. so the the curved handle apparently it was a, a preferred preferred, preferred yeah model yeah this next one's kind of cool because it adds a little bit of real world uh, practicality to a weapon we've seen it before in movies it's the cane saber you know, what's the blind fury with the cane sword That's right. <laughs> with, uh, was it Rutger Hauer? I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get a couple of examples of this uh, Jedi master Terra Sanube used a cane lightsaber and uh, Maul's third light third. Yeah. Maul's third lightsaber was a cane saber. Did you get a figure down? Oh yeah. Figure down. Just <laughs> the force is awakened. Might have been Cara Dune. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, essentially the cane saber is a lightsaber that's uh, incorporated into a functional walking stick. Awesome. All right, the next one, this one's kind of cool because I don't know about you guys, but uh, when you think of a training lightsaber, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, Wood. (laughs) (laughs) Nice wooden sword, can't really cut through much. Well... I, like many people, always thought of a training lightsaber as being this underpowered, you know, like you wouldn't give a lethal weapon to a toddler, would you? Right, right, right. Really hope not. Turns out the Jedi would. <laughs> training lightsabers, uh, you know, contrary to popular belief, are not underpowered. They are full-powered lethal weapons that actually use a, a, a much more intense electromagnetic containment field that makes them harder to penetrate. The trade-off is that instead of taking off arms and killing people, you would receive welts and minor burns instead. But they are fully powered lightsabers. Isn't that something? <laughs> Deep end. Absolutely. Oh, dead Padawans. <laughs> Very funny. Obviously not that powerful. I don't know. You get the right kid in there and knows how to tweak it. All right. Another popular one. This one was really popular in Legends is the, uh, uh, sorry, the Shoto lightsaber. Um, Yoda is said to have uh, used a Shoto lightsaber, which to me doesn't necessarily really align with the definition of the Shoto that it's a shorter blade because he's just a small dude, right? Yeah. Right. That's just a lightsaber that's like scaled to him. Perfect. Yeah. Now, Ahsoka Tano's offhand, on the other hand, ha ha ha, that's a, a true Shoto. Mm hmm. 
which is a shorter blade that's usually wielded as an offhand weapon. Yoda's always reminded me of a mini uh, Graflex. Yeah, absolutely it does. Well, there's a variation of the uh, the Shoto, and this one goes back again to Legends. It's the Guard Shoto or the uh, Tonfa mm-hmm. lightsaber. That is a an image of Maris Brood. She was a character from the uh, Force Unleashed games uh, and novels, but she used a pair of uh, Guard Shotos. Hmm. All right, and that brings us down to some of our most uh, well. Can we call them uh, exotic? I guess. Yes. Mm-hmm. How about the uh, light whip? The light whip. Uh, these were uh, popularized by the Night Sisters of Dathomir, and this character. This is uh, Vernestra Rowo. She's a, a new character from the uh, the High Republic. The light whip being a highly specialized and modified lightsaber that uses a flexible containment shield that allows the blade or blades uh, plural to flex. Because of this characteristic, each blade has less cutting power than a traditional lightsaber. It's kind of an interesting thing. According to uh, the the book, Vernestra actually built hers based on a force vision Hmm. and didn't tell anybody about it uh, until she learned how to use it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you wouldn't want to show it off until you know what you're doing. Also, she's uh, one of the youngest Jedi Knights ever to be granted knighthood in like a long time at the age of like 15 or something Mm -hmm. 15 or 16 yeah 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 all right that brings us to one of the more cooler ones this goes back to our ulysses 31 comment here ezra bridger's lightsaber blaster hybrid now i i don't know of another canonical example of this one but man i like that design (laughs) oh it's yeah it's my favorite i just uh Rebel Sabres has one uh, so beautiful right now. It's like 560 bucks. I really? I want it really bad. <laughs> really bad. Not 560 bucks bad, but I really well, This one combines uh, the elements of a traditional blaster weapon and a lightsaber. I love that. <laughs> All right. If you think that's cool, then we get into like we're going into batshit level here at this point when we get right. to the uh, lightsaber rifle. <sighs> Everybody remember uh, Jedi librarian, Joe Castanew? Sure uh-huh. do. Joe Castanew after order 66 went back to the Jedi temple where she had an encounter with uh, Darth Vader. She took her own lightsaber and jammed it into this specialized rifle weapon that is literally power. You can see in the top of that rifle, her lightsaber is actually powering the rifle. Mm-hmm. the lightsaber rifle now i don't know if there's another example of this in star wars lore i think this might actually be the only one yeah Possibly. i think it's like a, basically an extension off the ezra bridger sort of idea Yeah, maybe uh, but uh yeah and she i mean vader does kill her but she she, she goes toe-to-toe with him for a minute she gives him a good run yeah. yeah this uh this weapon uh produces an overwhelmingly powerful blast but it has a limited, uh, limited functional uh, functionality because after a few shots, it literally melts the lightsaber so that's yeah that's fueling it. Um, there is a self destruct mode which apparently uh, was big enough to blow a hole in the temple. Hmm. Um, yeah, so the, the lightsaber rifle. That is a rundown, a quick rundown, I might add, of all of the uh, lightsaber variants uh, in the new canon. I did not 
list the dark saber as its own thing because again we know so little about it there's so much right? more to come out for it and it's essentially a broad saber yeah um hopefully we'll learn some more about them i think we will in season yeah. three yeah yeah one thing about uh about lightsabers specifically is that i mean through all of the media that we're we've seen over the years is we've seen lightsabers do some very interesting interesting things or we've had these amazing cinematic moments that that use them i asked you guys earlier in the week if you all had a favorite lightsaber moment and uh, you guys uh, delivered let's talk about our favorite lightsaber moments here i guess uh i guess we'll start with mine my favorite lightsaber moment uh, this one comes right up this is like the reason i picked this one as as a role-playing gamer guy this is stuff that we were doing you know before we ever saw it on screen like there's a there's a joke in the role-playing community we call the lightsaber the the uct the universal cutting tool yeah and the idea of like cutting through a door it was old hat by the time we saw it on screen but when we got when we got to it in the phantom menace and qui-gon jinn plunges his lightsaber into that door on the trade federation battleship my mind was blown and i just i wanted to see it through i wanted to see him cut the whole turn the whole thing to slag you're going through (laughs) they didn't deliver on that but the the visual what we did get was enough like oh yeah given enough time the lightsaber will go through just about anything and god i love finally answering the question do they generate heat Uh, yes Facebook uh, comment. Yes. One of my favorite lightsaber moments too. Yeah. I love this one. Andy, what's your favorite lightsaber moment? My friend, my favorite also came from the Phantom Menace. And it was that moment right there when Darth Maul ignited that second blade. Oh my God. He, he ignites the first one. It's like, okay, we're going to get a duel. But then the second blade comes out and it's like, Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I remember seeing a thing uh, with Ray Park. Uh, Ray Park was talking sort of a behind the scenes thing about, giving him the double bladed lightsaber and i guess earlier on in the production they were going to give him the same size handle like the xr kun xr kun the legends character that's where the first double bladed lightsaber appeared in the comic books mm. and ray park said i love the idea but can we make the handle a bit longer so i can use it two-handed like a staff so ray park had a hand in in developing that. yeah yeah nice that's a that's an awesome moment too, especially when you're. I went back and I watched. I screen capped the images for it, and that's that those opening bars of of Duel of the Fates when it's. Dun, 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 dun. Yep. And you're like, oh yeah, this is mm-hmm. still so good to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's beautiful stuff. Comment: uh, Lightsabers can melt doors, but we never see them ignite clothing. Despite basically everyone wearing robes and loose clothing, well, no, but we've we seen do that see, in Obi Wan. No, we. I was going to say we've seen singeing and uh, and holes. I guess mm-hmm. even Mando, uh, Mando's cloak, you know, takes a bit of a, his pants when he when drops he the dark saber on his leg. Right. Ah, I don't know. Maybe he wears a lot of polyester. Maybe, <laughs> Maybe everything is made of polyester in the Star Wars universe. That's a good bet. No zippers. <laughs> All right, Hank. Favorite lightsaber moment, sir. What do you uh, got? I, that yeah, the moment uh, Luke uses the force to, I guess, finally connect with the lightsaber. I, I it, it always intrigued me. I mean, you know, it's not the most amazing lightsaber moment. Uh, it certainly doesn't have the gravitas of the of the uh, 
the Darth Maul. But for me, it's just realizing that a Jedi could do that with the Force, realizing how quickly he could utilize it for multiple things. He, like, he frees himself. He, he, he wounds the Wampa and he escapes yeah, using yeah, it as yeah. a light out of the cave. Uh, for me, that that's my favorite lightsaber sort of moment. Um, I guess it's number one, but then we could go on through uh, uh, two through ninety nine, and, and I could I could go Keep on going. all day. I tell that's you, the if, first one where I went, oh man, that's something I can't do. There are so <laughs> many cool moments, and again, how do you distinguish or differentiate what's a cool lightsaber moment versus what's a cool lightsaber moment that is also a, a force using thing? Like, right? Sometimes they're really hard to separate, right? Um, for and me, I can I, think of a couple it, in the books. It was sort of the connection between the user and the weapon in that. Yeah. As they yeah. became one in the sea. Yeah. I love the fact that, I mean, up until this point, we've seen a lightsaber, uh, dismember one living thing that was Ponda Baba in the, the cantina on Tatooine. Right. The second time we see it in action, it kills, uh, Ben Kenobi. Now we're seeing Luke use it literally to save his own life. Right. Uh, in in chopping off the Wampa's arm. I think it's you know, a, it's I think done. an honorable mention for me would have to be Han Solo using it right after this. Yeah, yeah. As a tool. Tauntaun, as, as a, a tool. tool. There you go. There it is. The UCT, yeah. the universal cutting tool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, Luke's lucky he didn't cut his feet off. Uh oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. He sawed his own f- I mean, you see how much ice is around his boots? Yeah. That's another thing. I I mean, I gotta go back and maybe read the novelization. That. How did the Wampa get his feet in there? <laughs> he just packs snow around it and then breathe like, on him or something. Do the old <sighs> until it turned to ice. <laughs> it could be. It's not really ice, it's just wampa spit. There's a couple <laughs> cool maybe moments in the novels. <laughs> There's a scene in, uh, I don't know if it's the uh, Dark Force Rising or The Last Command, where Luke Skywalker is in a round room surrounded by a bunch of uh, Nogri assassins. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're hiding behind long tapestries in the room, but he can Luke can sense them with the Force. Yeah. And he does like the Love ultimate video moment. game moment where he literally throws his lightsaber, spinning, <laughs> and with the Force spins it around the room cuts or, through all the tapestries and kills all the assassins in one yes. swoop same trilogy oh maybe it's not the same trilogy another book he does the errol flynn down a building with his lightsaber right. like sliding down the sail we see ahsoka do that in the clone wars the final season right right yeah so i mean super cool moments with with the lightsabers that uh, yeah those are our favorite ones though all right so this was kind of. I mean, we're all fans of of uh, of lightsabers. I own a lightsaber. Do you? You've got your. I've got. Uh, I was gonna say you've got you've got, got your camera flash, your flash handle, and uh, my son he's got a couple of them. But uh, I have. Uh, I don't have any collectible ones. I bought many years ago. I bought the first release, Force FX, not the Master Replicas one, but or yeah, Master Replicas, the Hasbro. Force FX Obi Wan Kenobi lightsaber, which I absolutely love. I still have it. I was playing with it yesterday, actually. There's another one coming out, but um, oh, there's another comment coming in here. Favorite lightsaber moment: the Inquisitor's flying. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. How can you yeah. not like that? Yeah, it's pretty great. I which wish apparently we got that live action. Oh, so do I. To be honest with you, season two. Hank, you and your wife mm. have a small collection of lightsabers. We do. Yeah. 
uh, I took the liberty of, of throwing together um, a slide here that's gonna that's gonna show off. Here's a bunch of uh, third party. Uh, well, I should say first, first party eight. and third. If you're looking for a lightsaber of your very own, and uh, you were contemplating getting into lightsaber collecting or even lightsaber dueling. There are several companies that uh, you can go and check out from uh, Hasbro, which, by the way, Hasbro is the official. So they're the only ones that you will see the full term lightsaber used. It is a trademark term. Everybody else, it'll just be saber because saber yeah. is so generic. Yeah. <laughs> Light blade. Yeah. And you'll get them at all different price points, too. Like mm-hmm. uh, a couple of these companies are, are entry level, like starting at under $100. And some of them go all the way up. 600 plus depending on what you want to get into but we're talking uh you know super impact resistant polycarbonate blades uh full rgb boards that can do as you say how many colors and 16 million well there you go yeah sound sound boards (laughs) you know i mean you can buy uh pretty much anything you can dream of Saber Forge actually is uh, maybe one of the the bigger leaders in that community where at one time in my retail business, I reached out to them to uh, see what it would be like because they offer a, they have a a program where they do like uh, their own version of the blade builders. Nice. But as a retailer, the buy-in was I had to buy enough parts for 10 sabers, which was about 5,000 US dollars. So I couldn't, I just could not do it at the time, but yeah, they make some really great stuff. Tell me about what you've got going on over there. Um, so we have three Hasbro sabers. Um, yeah. Lauren loves uh, the, uh, well, first of all, she loves the Dooku saber. It might've even been her comment. Uh, it's her favorite saber, but she also loves dual wielding. And since ah, right. uh, Asajj Ventress's sabers are loosely modeled off after Dooku's and she is yeah. dual wielding, it's perfect. Uh, so we uh, we actually went out and we bought two Asajj Ventress uh, lightsabers. I don't. We've had them out of the box. Uh, Have you put them together? Uh, we haven't actually had them out of the box at the same time to put them together. Oh, but so <laughs> yeah. Um, Lauren wants to finish her cosplay costume before we actually right, right, right. turn them on and and, and no, I want I want them to yeah, and we we're, we're hoping to have some nice displays. I also have half of Maul's saber, which is a Hasbro yep. uh, Force Effects. It's I don't have any batteries in it right now, um, and it's the uh, the same with the Asajj. It's the uh, not polycarbonate blade, and um, yeah. I think this guy yeah. has a pixel out. Uh, but then we 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 were watching all these videos. Sorry, I keep popping in and out of frame. No, no, it's good. <laughs> and uh, we were looking at these combat sabers. The, these both these sabers here are from. Uh, rebel sabers uh i see you got yep. there look and they're great their customer service was amazing i can't say enough uh, about them um these were both uh manufactured in china and uh, shipped here real quick um cool. the um polycarbonate i mean uh we literally smash them off of one another full speed <laughs> nice. uh, it's a great way to end a, a, an argument um uh the sound the color nice nice uh that's a good comment that's good to know these these this pair was about 250 american for the pair oh that's um, a good price they also link uh to become uh, oh they do they do so you can just take off the little oh, dowel and very and nice uh, goes right so on to this one i can hear and i'm sure the the listeners can hear that as well uh, those are machined aluminum 
beautiful yeah they're tooled i mean i don't know how close we can get in here but they are we went for the um uh sort of matte gray finish yeah yeah uh, they almost do, like they a, have gun a silver metal. and a black it's it's very gunmetal it's beautiful yeah, it looks stuff. really nice and uh yeah. I, I, i'm just gonna say something they are easily modifiable um oh nice when you move it around uh it does have some good action with the sound changing however smashing them off of things they yep. don't uh they don't make the sound like you'd want them to oh when no no when uh, blade flash together, you have to hit them in oh. a very specific spot oh really hit them okay really really hard really for them hard to make the crashing <laughs> right, sound. Right, but right. other than that uh they're really really good for a 120 dollar blade yeah that's Lauren fantastic. actually cut about three inches off of hers to make it four inches off of hers and was able to like the actual <laughs> cut carbon so that now she can spin it without hitting the ceiling and the floor. And oh, nice. Nice. Obiani all day long. Nice. Um, I mean, I was super impressed. There's a video out there. It's a viral video. Uh, you can watch of a guy with a katana. Yep. And the guy with uh, one of the polycarbonate blades, I, I can't say that it's yep. exactly a Rebel Sabres blade. But this thing takes two full speed swipes from a katana. From a katana it before it breaks. Right. So oh, wow. I mean, you're gonna get everything you need out of this. It's it's probably more sturdy than a wooden bow and like a practice sort of a samurai or ninja sword. And you know, uh 16, 16 million colors in these ones, although you gotta be patient to try to find your perfect color. <laughs> um five or six sound uh iterations, so you get the the uh right. The different sound savers from from classic characters. These ones are were right uh Cal Kestis and Leia's saber, uh Ray's new sabers on these boards. Uh, but you we what we looked into and what we might go with the new direction is that you can buy the boards, you can buy the saber bits and parts, and yep. you can also yep. so you can actually build the saber cheaper than you yep. can buying one of the buy it whole interesting. And also all of these companies also make a version, like a high yep. quality version of your yep. legacy sabers, although they're called quirky names to avoid. Yeah. Problems. So they don't yeah, exactly. So the and, all uh, of the named character blades exist right. from these other companies. And like the one that's making me drool right now, like I said before, is the Rebel Sabres has a, a it's called the Apprentice Two Pack and it's 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 um Kanan Saber and um oh, wow. Ezra's Saber for seven hundred twenty oh, wow. US. This isn't a Rebel Sabres ad, though. I am actually going to be purchasing my next Saber off sure. of uh, uh, Master Allen and his shop. Uh, what is that one called? Um, he has uh, he has uh, his own thing, and he's up here in Canada. And he oh, is, that's uh, good to know. A site as well, it's because I don't think Sabers. Yeah, I was going to say and I think any of the. Uh, decently priced and they have an Ezra Saber for cheaper. Mm. All of the uh, all of the um, all of the They're retailers all uh, that are on that. the slide uh, I believe most of them if not all of them are out of the United States and yeah. uh, there are uh, the description of this video you'll find links to all of those shops uh, awesome. in this video so if you're interested in going and checking any of those out um, and maybe we can get the link to that other one here in Canada and we'll get that added as well. Yeah totally I'll post that if you go, if you're going to go all the way and you're going to get a saber now, the question is, are you just hanging out in the living room? I mean, I don't want to say you're being <laughs> life, but you yeah. two are like, you guys are having fun. You're dueling. What do you do? Do you, do you take it to the next level? Do you look for a league? So we both because... thought about this. There's actually, um, there's a kendo school here. 
uh, sure. Now, and they they actually like like real sword fighting, yeah, real yeah, yeah. Uh, kendo blades. But holy cow, would those skills transfer over into some lightsaber action? Uh, there's I don't see kids walking in and out of there with lightsabers, but I I absolutely right. know that it wouldn't be a stretch to ask if we could, <laughs> if we could incorporate that into that. And that kendo has one governing body worldwide. So oh wow, okay, sort of that's a, cool. So we were thinking about that uh, just to even kick the can. Um, there used to be a lightsaber school in Halifax, uh, when Disney did the big yep. crackdown. Um, okay. uh, uh, I know that they, uh, they put the Knicks on that and, uh, it hasn't really resurfaced yet, but there are, there are schools, um, especially all over YouTube, um, that, that teach actual sort of sword stuff, you know, aim for the body, not for the other sword and yeah, actually yeah. make it look. And then, uh, while we haven't done it, we talk all the time about let's choreograph a really cool oh, thing yeah, yeah, yeah. and then perfect it and then film it. And you know, it would look awesome. It would just look awesome. Oh, we um, were doing stuff like that in the backyard with the old Hasbro, yeah. the plastic yeah. ones. And uh, man, a couple of good blows. And next thing I need a new lightsaber. Yeah, they did. They shattered. <laughs> uh, but like, absolutely. It's a, a logical sort of, and I mean, physical fitness, uh, you know, uh, just sheer fun. Uh, a lot of these schools I see the YouTube videos. Everybody's dressing up in full gear. You know, well, that's the thing. There's padawans. There's masters. There's you know. So it, it, it's 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 hella cool. There's a there's an international organization. You guys have heard of the 501st Legion, the mm-hmm. the big cosplay organization. Absolutely. Yeah. There is an international saber dueling organization. They are called the Saber Legion. And they have chapters in the United States, Canada, and UK. Excellent. And it uh, looks like they have right now a little over 18,000 members, arguably making them one of the biggest, uh, if not the most successful organized saber uh, fighting league in the world. They, I, I had a look at their membership uh, requirements, and they actually have a very, uh, very formalized set of rules for how they fight. And they are a, uh, a, a, they tout themselves as the mixed martial arts of lightsaber combat, nice. uh, essentially where there is no ascribed uh, sword school. Uh, it's basically you as a practitioner of kendo could, you know, meet somebody who's a practitioner of Aikido and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But it's all about this sort of shared interest in, in star Wars, particularly lightsaber combat. Yeah. It's, it's um, a fantastic thing. You do not have to have, you do not have to own a lightsaber for membership, but you do have to jump through a, a few hoops, like joining their Facebook group, joining their Facebook page, sign the, uh, the no harm agreement and, and send that in. But man, they have, uh, they have an upcoming, actually they have a tournament coming up here this month. If you are in the Las, uh, Las Vegas area uh, over the weekend of uh, July 21st and 24th at the Flamingo Hotel, you will uh, see Combat Con. Combat Con is a celebration of martial arts and popular culture, including Star Wars, where uh, the Saber Legion will be having uh, their first uh, formal tournament in a couple of years because of COVID. So amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, what better way to sort of wrap up our show than to bring it full circle? And, uh, and if you want to get into uh, lightsaber combat, again, uh, there are multiple ways to do it. And like I said, I encourage you to go check out some of the uh, links in the description of this video. Of course, that's on our YouTube channel. That's uh, the Fandom Power podcast on YouTube. 
where you can find links to all of that stuff. You'll also find a link to uh, all of our other videos as well as our Patreon. Do consider becoming a patron of the show because we'd love to have you on board as part of the production team where you can help steer the show. Man, as we wrap this one up, I don't even know where we're going next week. <laughs> we, haven't talked, we haven't talked about next week, but uh, yeah, glad to be back. We had a little bit of a break there, and uh, man, this is the kind of thing. This is a this is actually a show that actually came out of a comment from uh, from one of our previous shows. So sure. you you can very much steer the uh, the show by uh, telling us what you want to see us do. Um, we're happy to put this stuff together, and uh, man, did you guys have a good time on this one? Oh, I learned man. a lot. We could have spent a lot more time talking about lightsabers and probably oh. will in future shows <laughs> yeah. as we see weird things happening. But, uh, man, what a cool way to go back and just sort of uh, revisit uh, lightsabers and how they've uh, evolved from. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that answers whoever's question from last week, I guess. <laughs> hopefully, we yeah. Whatever they were specifically wondering about, hopefully we nailed <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I did tag him uh, in our social media this week to let him know that uh, this one is for you, Rob. So thank awesome. you for the for the comment and for the suggestion. It was a great show. I very much enjoyed it. But mm. that's all for me, guys. I got nothing else for you. So you guys got anything else? No, that Not was really that was great. It was a lot of fun. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Do like and subscribe. It's free and it helps out a ton. It Smash does. We just picked up another kid. subscriber today, actually. Nice. Uh, yeah, anyway, that's it for me. And uh, what's that, Hank? Oh, it's, uh, we are slowly growing. It's it's we are yeah we absolutely group, are. Yeah. 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 So sure. always happy to see that. And listen for all of the we got seven uh, seven consistently watching tonight. So uh, thank you for for uh, sticking with us for the uh, last hour and a half. We definitely love having you along for the ride. And uh, until next time, guys. And there will be a next time because. Man, I love what we do here. So, uh, and until the next video, uh, my name is Wes. Andy. I'm Hank. <laughs> we'll see you on the next one, guys. Bye for now. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.